0: Welcome to the Burnout Expert podcast. Today we have with us Dr. Vincent Van Ohm. And we were just chatting and I had to hit record because the information that she was talking about, I'm like, we need to get this recording. We need to stop, but we could go through this whole rabbit hole of, of information. So I'm so looking forward to this conversation. So Vincent Van Ohm is a highly specialized acupuncturist who has made a significant impact on the field of alternative medicine. Now, Vincent, she began her career working with professional athletes, and she was noticing at some point that the the traditional acupuncture that she was using with them, it was working and helping and excelling them to a point, and then they would stop responding. And she just wasn't somebody to stop at that. And so she worked really hard to figure out why. And and she continued honing her skills. And all of this hard work did pay off because she ended up developing this breakthrough technique where she was able to systematically resolve the, the anchors and the emotional roots that were directly responsible for the physical chronic pain that these patients were having. And with this expertise and her success rate with her clients, she was in such high demand and her clinic was booking three months in advance um, with solid bookings. And on top of that, she was also creating this teaching program. She was supporting an online teaching program in order to be able to share this technique with other practitioners because she herself who couldn't take on all that was was coming her way. And so with that though, despite all of the success she was having, she faced a major setback when she was diagnosed with cancer. And research has shown that long-term stress with long-term burnout, deep, deep burnout, that it can contribute to the development of autoimmune diseases and cancers. And Vincent, she, her diagnosis really prompted her to stop and take that step back, reevaluate her own physical and emotional well-being. Um, she ended up closing her clinic and she moved to the coast and incorporated so many tools and modalities and different practitioners in order to aid in her recovery from cancer and to get herself back full energy, full drive and back to where she used to be. After two years of focusing on her own health and well being, Vincent emerged from her recovery process with a renewed passion for helping others. She continued to share her expertise through teaching, and she has expanded her practice now to include this full range of holistic therapies that address the mind, the body, and the spirit. So, despite the challenges she faced, Vincent's determination, her commitment to patients, and it's just remained unwavering and it's making her this beacon of hope and inspiration in the field of alternative medicine So that was I mean we just have so much to dive into here so Vincent, thank you so much for joining us today
1: Andy it is it is an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me
0: um so where do we even start there's so many points as I'm reading that that I'm thinking, man, where could we start so, let's start with, I guess, your cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. and why you made lifestyle changes. Because quite often when we have cancer, we don't think making all these lifestyle changes close in your clinic. So why did you do that?
1: You know, <laughs> that's a great question. First, I want to say that i I speak to you know anybody who is kind of full tilt into the world, right? They're into their work, they're they're passionate about it, so they're they're fully in it and potentially don't have the awareness of what's going on inside the body because there's so there's so much focus external. And and that was what was happening with me. I was under an incredible amount of pressure to either my schedule, my private practice as well as my online company. And what I noticed was. I actually required a lot of space. So I was working 10 hours a day, six days a week, and and then the online support as well. And so there wasn't actually space to hear myself. And when I started to hear the signs, I ignored them until they became so loud that I literally remember sitting in my living room at one point just crying, but I was too scared to go to the hospital because that was at the height where the whole world was shut down. And so going into a hospital was like, more scary than anything in the world for me. And so I sat in that chair and I was like, how did I get here? Like how, like, how did this happen? And what have I been doing to get to this point? Why did I ignore all these signs? And while I was sitting there, I started to have this process of how am I living my life? And am I living my life actually for me? And so when that diagnosis came in, it was like permission that i had been waiting for for over 30 years permission to actually choose a different life that suited what i wanted the hours that i wanted to work the people i wanted to work with and the way that i actually wanted to nourish my body so it was like this crucial point for me to be like something has to change or i i could literally die and i know mm-hmm. we can we can die at any point right like i could wake up tomorrow morning or not and but it was one of those points where the the pain was so severe and it was almost like I needed that two by four across my face to pay attention to what my life was doing and what I was doing inside my life.
0: Yeah. So there's something you said there is you needed almost like that permission you needed. And this is the thing that we hear so often is like people come to us, come to me, I'm sure come to you when they're in the deep depths, like, like the studies that do show with burnout, when your body gets to the point that it cannot support itself, it's immune system, it's inflammation, all of these things that autoimmune diseases are popping up, that, that cancer is coming in, that people have gotten to that point. And when they stop and look back, they stop and look back. They start seeing the signs Mm -hmm. they ignored. Like we need, this is so important. This is the, I hear this all the time.
1: Right. And, and at that point, even for me, it, it, the irony was so thick Mm because here I was as an established healing practitioner. I could, I could point things out in my sleep. Like it was so intuitive and natural to me. And here I was, you know, all these months I, I knew, I knew the moment, even my spouse was like, she's like, you're going to get diagnosed with cancer. Like it was, it was so there, but it took another like six months to wait for that diagnosis before I really, really paid attention. Even though I knew going into that doctor's office, I knew what he was going to tell me. And And I, this is the number one thing that I also hear with clients is I'm like, you, I can hear it in your language. Like, you know, you need a break, you know, you need something more, you know, that you're in this position. But the number one thing I hear back is, but if I stop, I might not get back up. It's like, it's this need to continuously access that adrenaline state to keep on going for the fear that if, if the behavior stops and if something does tank the system and take them down, which usually it does to get that restart. Um, but it's that fear in there. Like I can't, I can't take that stress leave. I can't take a vacation because I know I'm going to get sick. I know I'm going to fall down. I know I'm going to fall into depression or whatever state it may be. And I, and I wonder if, if there was just more conversation around taking time, and, and even just having that space to just, just listen to even your thoughts. What is your body even saying? Like, what do you actually want? You know, and we're not, we're not really a society that really forefronts that it's like, after the fact, it's like, Oh, you fell down. Oh shit. You got sick. Now let's talk about it. It's not, it's not in the front forward facing.
0: Yeah, and this is like working with I've worked with first responders since 2018. And now I work with anybody that 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 does want to come my way and work on burnout because I've had so many requests since COVID. But but with, with first responders, it's usually only once they're at the point that they cannot work anymore, that they're being medicaled out. Yeah. That and even once they're medicaled out sometimes too still not acknowledging that something needs to change and there's that fear absolutely that you spoke of that absolute fear there's also some of that pride in there as well and and also like the the pride in that but I am so good at my job I mean you with your reputation and everything you were forefront in creating something for that nobody else had taught and knew like your forefront as an acupuncturist and for you to also admit, Hey, I'm struggling. That's an ego hit. That's a pride hit as well. For a first responder who's supposed to always be forefront helping and saving people to say, Hey, I need help. You do have to look into a different place inside.
1: Mm-hmm
0: to be okay with that and take the steps to get out.
1: I think you're, you're so right. I mean, the, the connection between asking for help and weakness and the way that society has viewed that is, is firstly, it's interesting. And secondly, it's, it's so there. I mean, all of the first responders that I worked with, you're, you're 100% on point. It was, well, what, what am I even supposed to do with all this time off? Like my purpose has been completely removed and I don't know how to operate in the world. And, and that was even my story too. It was like, you took, take me out of the treatment room Mm -hmm. and I'm flatlined, exhausted in bed. All the emotions, you know, that come with burnout where you're just, it's almost like depression, but it's different. You know, it's coming from a different space. And when you take all of that stimulus away Oh my gosh. It's almost like a sea of hopelessness. Like where, who, where do I go? And then you leave someone to their own devices without a guide, right? Without a coach, without a program, something that they can go in and learn a whole new way of being. It can be, it can kind of be a soup of disaster because your identity stripped from you. Yeah
0: anything an entrepreneur you think of somebody that's working anything in financial in law as a doctor as like any career that you choose that you have worked really really hard to get into and to establish yourself into that career taking a pause taking a pause you're like ooh what is the signal is this telling people are they going to think i can do this are they going to think i can keep up with this are they going to think that there's something wrong what are they going to judge me which so fascinating that I'm saying this right now because my husband and I were just having a conversation the other day about my son so my son judges himself crazy harshly like his expectations his goals what he should do are more than even a professional athlete can succeed in certain things and are more than an academic can achieve in things and, and for somebody his age And the thing is, is that he's always thinking that people are looking at him or judging him. And I was saying to my husband and I, we were talking to my son about this, that I used to think this as well, that everybody's looking at me. Everybody's judging me. Everybody's thinking about me when in fact (laughs) they're doing the same (laughs) and thinking about themselves, that it is fascinating when we actually stop and think, is this person really thinking about me? And even ask a couple of questions to them to even kind of subtly find out if they were even thinking about you or judging you, the odds are they weren't. We probably are our worst critic. We are our worst judge. We set ourselves up so high with these expectations that other people don't expect us to be at. That if we also take that layer out and think, okay, like think about when one of your colleagues or your partners or, has taken time off for themselves what have you thought about them mm-hmm. has the story you've been telling about them the same stories you think people will be saying about you they're usually different you're usually judging yourself and saying they're all do these bad things and you're weak and this <laughs> meanwhile it's like good for that person for taking that time off and doing what they need to do
1: well yeah and at the same time what if, what if they were judging you what, what if it was 100% true? Yes, and- why are you taking it personally? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that is such a key point. Like when you really look at the world, like, yeah, people are, they're going to judge on how you look, how you speak, how you walk, how you move, what you choose, what you don't choose. We are judgmental beings, you know, it's how we gauge ourselves in the world. I think the biggest problem that creates this emotional energetic tank is we take it personally and we make ourselves wrong for it. And and I see, I see it everywhere. And, and the one thing that I actually really want to mention too, is like from an Eastern medicine perspective. So when we look at acupuncture and the way the energy moves, one of the things that isn't forefront really talked about is when you are stuck in an emotional pattern. So your HP access is just like, it's just, a, just spinning around and HP what's HP access for people that are listening. So your hypo hypothalamic pituitary access, which is basically your fight flight mechanism. Yes. You can enter that mechanism by seeing somebody who looks like your bully from fourth grade. Your emotions can trigger that same response. So whether you're threatened by an actual like physical crisis where your life is in danger, or whether you're remembering an emotional memory that is locked in your body, you can trigger the same response in, inside yourself. Now, the problem is, is that if you do not disengage from that memory and that emotion, it continues to spin in your body as if you're in a life-threatening situation. And what I see in practice and even have experienced myself, I'm sure maybe you have as well as we dive into like whatever trauma and emotion comes up. When you are stuck in those loops, you begin to sit and just nom nom and nom and nom and nom and nom and nom. On the emotion, so we'll use fear as an example. A lot of people are afraid to be judged. So if you walk around constantly afraid, and you're just walking around in society afraid, 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 what happens? From if we look at from an acupuncture perspective, is you begin to deplete your reserves. So if you are in, say, like uh, I like to I like to categorize it like Mortal Kombat, the video game, and you have the life bar across the top, and the more you get hit when you're fighting somebody, the life bar goes down. The more that you live your life in a state of fear, your life bar, your like rejuvenation capacity, your life force energy, it starts to go down the longer you sit in these emotional states. And if it's not replenished by something like joy and excitement and gratitude and love, if you were not dipping into that, you will exhaust yourself. And we end up, the descriptive term that we can use is it's like a system collapse, Now fear sits in the kidneys for the most part and the urinary bladder. So a lot of people will get low back pain. They'll feel uncomfortable there. And especially because the adrenals are sitting on top, right, of the kidneys. And so a lot of people who are sitting in that deep, deep, deep fear of who am I? Where do I belong? What's my life going to be? What do people think about me? Everything in that, it'll collapse the system. And then you have to ask for help. Yeah. And so it's like the number one thing that you might be afraid of you end up having to face. And so even from a complementary medical system, was what a lot of people call acupunctures complementary. There are so many things that can be done to help replenish that that don't require you to put like a shit ton of effort forward. Like it's like you can gradually come back at like a nice pace rather than the crash and burn that got you there. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know acupuncture treatments. I, it's my favorite thing is acupuncture. I find it. I've always, eat, when I was in my burnout too, I'm just kind of under, you can actually help me if this makes sense. Cause I've always just theorized this, but not fully understood it massage and my background, what is massage therapy? I used to be a <laughs> massage therapist, but my nervous system was so firing all the time that while I was getting a massage, I still have, never could really fully relax. But I would go to an acupuncture treatment and they put a needle. I think there was one point, I don't know, between my eyebrows or my head or somewhere or sometimes both and somewhere on a foot or a hand. And I would just feel my whole body just relax, more relaxed than I've ever felt. That anytime I'm almost like a dog with uh, getting treats now, anytime I know that I'm near an acupuncture needle, but almost before the needle is put in me, I'm like, my system just knows it's
1: going to get relief. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yes. 100%. It's like a trip switch for your nervous system. Yeah. 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 When the combination that acupuncturists do with needles is it's so intentional because everybody is so different. So when we take a system that has over 300 acupuncture points, we can get very specific about what one person needs that can be different from somebody else. So when I talk about like, um, fear, exhausting your system for somebody else, it might be worry. And so the way that I would approach fear is a completely different set of points than I would approach worry, even though they're similar in nature, but they're coming at two different avenues. So anyways, when you combine these points together, you're often working on the body, the mind, and the spirit. And you're combining all of these to put the person back back in the body and allow them to now rest inside the body because there's nothing threatening going on outside other than the fact that some people are kind of freaked out about needles. But once you get over that and the combination sits in after 10 minutes, it's like, It's the gravy point with acupuncture, 10 minutes and the whole system just comes back together.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. The thing I, I did find too, was though that was, it was, it's a huge piece. And it's the one thing I'm like, it's it's something that I will always carry with me as acupuncture because of how amazing I love the feeling of it. But I do know that if I don't work with the other pieces of the puzzle, that if I'm not worrying, or not worrying, not working on my worrying, or I'm not working on my fears, or not working on past traumas, or not working on mindset stuff, or slowing down and giving myself time, or working to my values—I mean, there's so many pieces. but mm-hmm. I'm not working on those, on the nutrition, on the on the physical side, on the hormones, on the gut, on all of those things, that that acupuncture, I'm going to keep setting my body off and. The acupuncturist will have to start from the beginning again each time versus if I'm working on those things in between sessions, then they can go from a different step on that ladder to help me even deeper each time instead of always doing the surface level. Oh, it's not surface level, but more the preliminary steps over and over again. They can start
1: working on deeper steps. Is that 100%? And this was where, this was where the huge turning point was in my practice as I was like, what? why, why is the longevity not happening? Like I'm doing everything right. I'm getting the results, but something's, something's not quite clicking. So that was where I was like, okay, well, let's dive a little bit more into the emotional state. So then what I found really interesting is I started asking different questions to clients. So when I asked those different questions, it's, it's sure. Let's talk about your fatigue. Let's talk about your depression. Let's talk about your shoulder pain, whatever it may be, but tell me actually how it feels not physically, How does it actually feel inside of you? And the information came out quite a bit different than I had anticipated. Well, I'm frustrated. I'm angry about it. I don't like being in my body. So now we start getting these really characteristic to that person about what it's like inside their world, because our words, they create our worlds. And so if that is how we are talking and our body is listening, we are self-perpetuating certain situations. And I remember working with a young, she was a young mother of two kids and she had battled with chronic fatigue for four years. And I said, I I can help you. Like, I, I think it's more than that. I think it's actually a generational issue that's going on. And within 90 minutes it was gone and she never, she never had the fatigue again. And what the problem was, is that she was so focused on being like suppressing her anger that she had towards her mom, that once she just let that out, this depressive fatigue that, she, that had just kept her in bed for so long. She finally was able to get all that anger out. And then the life force came back to her. And so, being able to focus on either moments in time or just really acknowledging how we actually feel about people or things to just let it out so that it doesn't exhaust our system and just kind of be this hamster wheel inside of us. That was what I found created so much longevity for people in their symptoms and what they were going through.
0: Okay. So, so many questions going on. So let's go (laughs) back to when you were working with athletes. Yeah. How? So there's a difference between somebody who is coming to you because they know that they have traumas to work through. They know that they have stuff to work through. Now, the thing is, is with many traumas is we can also block them out and we don't even know that they were there. So like, I didn't think I had childhood traumas. And then I started realizing that not remembering certain parts of your childhood is because you blocked them out and they were a trauma. So it was only once I was acknowledging of that and ready for that to move forward. So how do you take somebody that comes to you for acupuncture for maybe a, like an athlete is coming to you for physical, like like a physical injury to help them with their career How do you do that? How do you get them to acknowledge that they even have a struggle or something that is actually manifesting that they may not even know of?
1: Yeah, great question. And firstly, isn't it a rude awakening when you're like, holy shit, I'm not perfect. I actually had trauma. Like when my wife said that to me, she's like, oh my God, you're not perfect you have so much shit that you've shoved down. Like it was this hilarious. Yeah. Awakening. It was a rude awakening at the same time. But anyway, I wanted to acknowledge that because it's so funny when people are like, I don't, I, I have, a, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I had a great life and I'm, but you know, my parents were never home and they worked all the time and I actually didn't have my needs met. And it's like this rude awakening unfolds in front of you.
0: And that's so two things on that before you yeah. Give amazing um description on this is yeah, I had a coach once that said everybody has childhood trauma, and I'm like, oh, whatever. My childhood was fine, I was good. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you know, middle class, nine to five, Monday, Friday, kid, parents, whatever. I was like, what the heck? And now I'm like, oh, I had a really like I blocked so much crap out. And then I've also learned from that too that we as parents are always going to do the best job that we can our job as a parent is to do a better job parenting than our parents did not saying anything negative about our parents but we that's our job as a parent is to learn from that because there isn't a manual all of our kids are the different spouses as well each how each of us was parented like there's so many different factors all involved in that that I am going to do the best that I can as a parent that I did recently. My, my one son, that's not struggling at all. I've told him I'm actually going to be getting him set up with a therapist for when I screw up and for, seriously, like I'm being proactive yeah, yeah. on this, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the best that I can, but there's going to be things that I, that are going to bother you that you won't want to talk with me about or your dad about. And I'm going to get you comfortable and acknowledging a therapist now. So that when those things pop up, you have somebody to go to
1: that's amazing oh my gosh right? it's amazing that's- because otherwise we have a society that's like therapy is not for, I don't need therapy no that's not something for me but when you normalize that it's okay to talk to people about what's going on inside of you yeah. then it becomes this like really I, I want to celebrate you for that that's amazing
0: yeah it And this is my child, though, that doesn't speak his voice either. So I know that there's things that are going to come out of it, but he technically doesn't have traumas that he's aware of or I'm aware of at this moment, but he already might have some. Mm -hmm. Who knows? So that's the thing is, as a parent, our job is to always do the best that we can, but we're all going to screw up, too. And we are going to to do things to our kid, no matter how hard, like, as you said, parents are working all the time. Well, why are they working all the time? Do they need to have the money to put food over? Like they're doing their best to give you all the things that they want to give you. And that's the one, like, there's always a cost to everything.
1: So, you know, it's the yin and the yang of life. And we were, uh, we were just at this diner that we had never been to before and inside. So we live in a very small town and it's, It has a long history of logging and on this restaurant wall there is this photo from like the 1900s right and so they logged this area that was this is all rainforest live on the west coast of um bc so we're on the right, right on the wall anyways we look at this photo it's from the 1900s nobody is smiling you look at any of these photos from history nobody is smiling But you look now at the human behavior that has evolved. Like, it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's an evolution for people. And here we are, however many years later, and people now smile in photos. So we have this change in behavior. But I think think a lot of people look at parents, and this is what I hear in the treatment room, where they're like, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And it's like, well... Well, their parents hit them and they didn't hit you. I think that's a really good advancement. You know, like we can we can look at that as like, yay, there has been a generational pattern that has now been shifted. Yes, maybe they weren't there for you in other emotional instances, but your physicality was at least protected this generation. Yes. And I think when we take that pressure off and just kind of settle into, okay, that that happened and how can we move beyond it? And I bring this up in regards to coming back to the athletes, because When working with the athletes, it was, it was so charming because they are like Olympic machines. Okay. So they're in peak, peak condition. They respond really fast to a lot of manual therapies, but what I saw missing in that respect was this emotional piece because when their injury or their, their discomfort physically wasn't going away, it was the same thing. They started to dip into frustration or depression or fear And having a conversation about that oftentimes didn't relate to the actual moment in time. So what I mean by that, when when SIT was developed, so that's subconscious imprinting, when that was developed, it was developed to actually pinpoint a moment in time. Trauma can be, I mean, a lot of people define it certain ways. We define it as something that was too much, too fast, too soon, or not enough. And you can relate that to a lot of different things. That could be, maybe you, maybe you had to perform at a piano concert for the first time ever, and you were in front of so many people. So here you are going to perform. That overwhelm is enough to be traumatic that shuts you down to never want to perform again.
0: Yeah. Can you go over those four again, please?
1: Too much, too fast, too soon, or not enough. Okay. Yes. And this can extend into so many instances Like same thing, performance-based, whether it's like music or acting or achievements in school, that's a big spot for anybody who's in the ages of like 13 to 16, where a lot of their life figuring out who they are in the world is based on achievement to their peers in regards to sports whatever it may be, the activity that they're involved in. And that can dictate for the rest of their life. So what I began noticing is that I needed to bring people back to that moment in time to resolve it there. So it didn't keep repeating 20 years later. We had to go back to the 16-year-old. We had to go back to the two-year-old, to whatever was shut down. That didn't mean that we needed the memory. We just needed the emotional data. And so The way that I work through these sessions is I can actually just tap right into whoever the client is and be like, okay, you've got overwhelm stuck, you've got fear stuck, you've got shock stuck, and now you've got shame. We need to just bring that to an acknowledgement piece, and we need to let it go so that you're not thinking that your performance always has to have those emotional components. Now it's clean, now it's clear, and now we can move towards what you actually want to feel when you're in a performance state. And when that was starting to be applied, it, it was... Even I was like, holy shit, like this is wild. You know, for someone who is lifting 175 pounds above their head in a clean snatch in an Olympic weightlifting gym, for their shoulder to go from a state where it was very unstable, a lot of pain with overhead movement, and then to acknowledge a moment that had to do with their dad and their dad leaving and abandoning them, no acupuncture needles, no manual therapy, It was a 30 minute conversation of acknowledging that moment. That person had zero issue the next day, lifting that much weight above their head. And if that's not magic in regards to like, I don't know what is really, but allowing the system to relax. That's the whole point. You know, when we have burnout, our system is not relaxed. It's created relaxation, but it's not, it's not nourishing, right? You're still trying to fill something. Your gas tank is so empty So whether it's on a physical level or it's on emotional level, those two go 100% hand in hand. So what I noticed with these athletes is it was so much more than their physical nature. There were these wounds that just needed to be acknowledged and let go for them to hit their peak performance without being afraid that it was going to fall away.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So we have that athlete. We understand that athlete vision, but not, but, and. How would that look with other clients? So can you give me an example of how that would look with a parent, uh, with an entrepreneur, with somebody in corporate and law enforcement? So I'm going to ask for four examples.
1: Yeah, I'll start with law enforcement. I worked with uh, a firefighter and a peace officer who was off work on like a, a really long stress leave. Yeah. Because anytime this person would go back to work, it would immediately trigger their nervous system. Right. And then they wouldn't be able to work. So then they would be back on, on leave again. And what was interesting about this specific case was yes, they responded fantastic to acupuncture, dropped their system. They felt more relaxed than they ever like did in their life. But what I noticed in this person's story is no matter where they were placed, when they were reassigned, there was always a person of authority that they had an issue with. And so immediately I knew that it was actually an issue with authority that was tanking their system and exhausting their system. And if I could help bring them to a place that they weren't actually afraid of authority, then it's possible that their system would no longer respond to that. And what we actually found was this deep, like this, this way that their mother interacted with them, that was not in a caring space. They, they were afraid of their parent. And so naturally any authority figure is going to have the same response. So every time we kept going back to resolve whatever memories, moments, emotions that were linked to the mother, this person then could go on to have romantic relationships for the first time. That actually lasted longer than a couple of weeks. They were able to actually feel what it felt like to be relaxed in their body for the first time. And so that was with a first responder and which I really want to say, like, I got to give them credit because when you go into a first responding job career day in the life, you're on guard. Like, you're in in this protection mode and to turn that off like I just really want to celebrate them for having that duality that is so necessary and I can see how it could be even just exhausting on the system to have to go in and turn it on and then somehow figure out a way within themselves to turn it back off again to relax into who they are outside of that role so I want to say that first next we go into an entrepreneur These are like, I love working with entrepreneurs because what mostly comes up is why can't I put myself out there and why can't I attract money? And oftentimes what ends up being found is like, I can give you, we'll go with oftentimes. What ends up being found is this inability to receive. And that is usually linked to money in regards to, well, I can't put myself out there because receiving has been painful because every time that I Shared who I was and my unique qualities and my weirdness. It was shut down usually by a parent or a sibling or a bully on the playground. But when we go back to resolve that specifically, oftentimes money goes through the roof. Um, There's a there's an aspect of rejection of the self. That when you start to look at all the moments you reject yourself, all the ways that you tell yourself you're not good enough, all the ways that you say that you can't have that, all the ways that you shame yourself for what you eat or what you do, you're essentially rejecting yourself. And what that says is I don't deserve money. I don't deserve to receive, et cetera. So that's usually with the entrepreneur. Where was the other two? You gave me two other ones. Corporate and parent. Corporate and parent. Parents in the sense of... Give me a little bit more. So if a parent is coming to you,
0: maybe, um, well, actually you did give an example of the mom with fibromyalgia.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. I had a few of those. Yeah.
0: okay. Yeah. So a parent coming to you thoroughly, thoroughly exhausted, tanked, and can't get out of it as, as, as a parent.
1: Yeah. Fibromyalgia, what I've noticed even just I'll just stick on that for a second. What I've noticed with that is a deep unmet need. And mm-hmm. what ends up usually happening is they'll they'll sit in resentment.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like, fuck you, fuck my body, fuck everything. It's just like <sighs> there's just so much anger. And it just kind of it bounced around everywhere. But what what I end up finding the most is one of their needs wasn't met and they didn't know how to ask for it. So it was almost like it was expected. Yeah. And then it was chronically under met. And when I think about one person in particular, and it might be different from what I had said to you, but one person in particular, uh, she was isolated on like a farmland, and yeah. had four kids, oh. animals, and the husband worked out of town. So he was a welder, and he he would be gone for weeks at a time. And so she was under monumental stress managing the farm, the animals, and the children without her partner. But when her partner would come back he would take extra jobs being in in town so she never actually got him she always got a tired version of him and so her cup was never filled and she was so angry about it and she she felt like she could never ask for it and so to come back to that moment to resolve that in order to either fulfill it for herself or to just ask for it like i am feeling resentful i am angry that you're doing this where is my where am i going to be put first Where are you going to look at me the way that you look at everything else? And when that came back into place, well, she had a significant decrease in her neck pain, I'll tell you that, and her TMJ, which is often, you know, in regards to keeping your mouth shut so you don't ask for what you want. You can see that a lot in a lot of jaw tension. Um, But mom, like parents in general, moving them out of even guilt will usually bring them so much more energy. There's this, I hear it. I'm not a parent myself and I hear a lot of guilt in parents when I'm working on them. I feel bad because this happened to my kid. I feel bad because I said, like I did that. I feel bad because I couldn't provide this. Mm -hmm. Accessing that guilt moves into the liver channel and the gallbladder channel. When the liver channel and the gallbladder channel are, are weighted down by so many thoughts, memories, moments that you just keep recycling, it creates depression because you are pushing down experiences into the body, and then the body becomes very heavy. You do that long enough, it starts to exhaust the system. And then you you get into that cycle of burnout because you're sitting in that emotion. When you remove that, you actually create flow and energy. It's as if you had done like a hundred meter dash, and then you feel like oh, you feel so good afterwards, and you're like, Yeah, it feels fun. That movement is what is required to get it out, and you can do the same, the same kind of rush and release an energy by acknowledging emotions out loud. Just saying it out loud. This is anger. I am feeling angry right now. I am so angry right now. And this is what anger feels like. That's interesting. Cause
0: we hear a lot of gallbladder issues with first responders, with nurses, with, um, I do remember speaking to somebody and they're like, Oh, the amount of nurses that have gallbladder issues or the gallbladders out is like high. And if we think about that, there's the guilt, there's so much guilt, there's the parenting guilt, there's the guilt of all that they're working, and then their spouse is taking up things at home, they have the guilt for that. They have the guilt of not being able to save people, not being able to help sometimes the guilt of not having the right tools to be able to help somebody. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much guilt involved with that. And it's fascinating that you relate that because I hear so much about gallbladder issues so much.
1: What else is in the gallbladder? Resentment, anger, guilt, depression sits in there too, right? So this heavy feeling. And I mean, you want to talk about nurses for a second. Who has a job that requires literally dealing with all the shit and who gets the most of the glory? It's not them. Yeah, not at all. Right? Yeah. And and so I can imagine, even just from an energetic perspective, being like, I put in the grunt work. I did the, I literally did the dirty work. And they yes, the patients, they know the patients,
0: and their voice is not often heard either. Right.
1: Yeah. One hundred percent. The the even the will structure of the gallbladder. This this will to be something. This will to have purpose. This will to take up space. This will to speak your truth that is held there too. And when you start to diminish that, or that is diminished so that you you feel like, what's the point? What's the point in me doing this? What's the point in me speaking up? That leads to hopelessness. When we hit hopelessness, we need a spark. We need someone usually, not always, but usually external to us to reignite it for us, to remind us of why we're here, remind us that there is purpose here, that we are important. We are necessary to be here and and so that can be depleted over time
0: yeah and there's there's so much so okay um we still have the corporate to do but i have another question before then yeah with, with leading into this so as we're talking about this so the we see a lot of like gut issues and stuff and i do understand and realize like when the nervous system is kicking in it slows down your digestive system and and it gets a whole slew so once you have like bacterial issues once you've got it where there is like like leaky gut where you have problems with your small intestine and you've got these bacterial overrun and you've got low stomach acids if when when you work on the stressors the emotions that were triggering your stress system to kick in and affecting your gut to slow down it will start working better but will it go back without having other like i know with acupuncture too you guys can work with with herbs and everything to help with with the gut and all that as well so is that where you're saying too like like the acupuncture is the complementary because the damage that was done when we were ignoring the, the the traumas and the pain and that the damage that was done with all of that long-term stress, even once we do work on the the emotional, the mental, the trauma side, we do we still have to go in and then help with the physical damage that was done from that stress.
1: Mm-hmm. When the answer is yes, and yes, and and I say, and because it might not be as like massive as a lot of people may think. So the number one thing that when I talk to people who come in that state, they're in that state of collapse, right. And their, their body is so undernourished because there's been so much going on that it's kind of like what I, what I like to attribute it to is, is picture when you you like feeling good and you go out for a meal and you're like, this is amazing. And you're having this moment and you're enjoying the food. And then eight hours later, you find yourself like over a toilet and you're so sick cause you had food poisoning. Naturally what, what starts to happen is A, your, your system is tanked, right? So what do you do? Well, you you limit your food and you're like, okay I know this food is safe and I should probably just drink water. So you, you go back on this path of recalibration to really listen to what your body is telling you. And you're like, okay, well, I can't, that's too rich. I know that's going to do the same thing again. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to go for plain foods. And then I'll, I'll go from there. And from a physical perspective, coming back from something like that, or four years of working in a job that you hated, and then it, you know, you had to go on stress leave because you were burnt out. It's about taking away so much noise and reintroducing small, basic things. And so, the number one thing that will help your physicality is seeing what's going on in your mind. A lot of us don't look at what's happening in the mind because we don't stop long enough to hear it, or we overwork ourselves so that we don't hear it.
0: Yes, avoidance.
1: Right. And so, if you can take the time to, I call it, um, I call it like ugly writing, like brain dump, ugly writing, where you literally put a piece of paper in front of you and you let all that shit out. I fucking hate myself. I hate what my body is doing. Like you get it all out on the paper. Cause then now it's out of your mind. Now your mind is no longer interacting with your gut and triggering your gut to go into a stress response. So you've, you've done one piece to help the physicality just by acknowledging all of those gnarly thoughts that are in your head. The second piece that I think is really necessary is in regards to gentle like movement, when you can move your body in a way that maybe looks different than what a lot of people cater towards, like CrossFit or aggression or like like those bigger things, what if you actually started to move your body in ways that you've never done before? Because if you do the same thing that you've always done, you're gonna get the same result. Mm -hmm. So if you were to put on say, belly dancing music, and move your hips in a way that you've never moved before, you are now actually affecting the physicality of your stomach and your abdomen in the way that you never have before. Not to mention that, but now you're actually accessing the physicality. So you're somatically releasing something that would have created, like you said, bacteria, maybe parasites, whatever from before. So now you're moving your body to belly dancing music. You got your gnarly thoughts out of your head. so i will all come back in a second. And if you were to ask yourself for a moment, what am I allergic to? Is it my parents? Do I need a hiatus? What is a parasite in my life? Is it my environment? Do I need to actually physically change my environment? And I know this seems like really esoteric as I say it, but the four things that often create the trauma, it's an emotion, an event, an environment, was my last one emotion event environment that's funny that I can't even remember my fourth one you can email me I'll put it in the show notes okay sounds good um these these are what actually create issues because if you keep going back to that same restaurant and you keep eating that same food That had the food poisoning in it. Well, you're going to get the same results. So you have to shift away from it so that your physical nature can actually come back online. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah.
1: And so it's the same with the environment. If you are in an environment that is so stressful or so negative, and I say negative in the sense of where like people pick you apart, they're always criticizing you, they're never supporting you. Your body is under attack, it is listening. We are born as feeling beings. If you stay in environments that you know don't feel good, you are going to critically upset the physicality of your system, critically, until you literally feel backed into a corner and have to get out of there. I hope I answered your question. I took it on a tangent there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, there is more than one, like, there's more than one piece to this puzzle. Like, it's just not like you can work on that mindset trauma piece, and then all of that other piece is going to go away. You yeah. still have to continue doing the work. Mm-hmm. There's pieces there as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I've seen people in extreme digestive duress. Same thing. It's it's like a moment in time gets resolved and the emotion gets let go. And it's almost it's it's amazing, Andy. Like their their whole system comes back online. And other people, they require a little bit more support in slow doses. And what I mean by that is yeah, is is Chinese herbs. They're fucking incredible what they can do. I wish more people had access to them because of their capacity to not only access the physical nature of the body, but also the mental nature of the body and the spiritual nature of the body. These herbs are so complex. And it's the same way that when acupuncturists are choosing over 300 points to choose from, there are so many herbs in Eastern medicine that their combinations are very specific to somebody's pattern. So you're not just taking like, oh, this is for indigestion. No, what you're taking is something for like cold and dampness that has now led to a spleen collapse. And and I know that sounds really wordy, but it's very specific to a practitioner that's in my field because your pattern is not like anybody else's. And so those are so supportive. Mm -hmm. Clients that are in high stress state where I have offered them herbs, they're like, oh my gosh, I need another bottle. Those are those are what keep me calm, cool, and collected. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because their environments are a little more stressful. But alongside that, um, even just really, really coming back to the awareness that's in your body, a lot of people are like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, that's that's actually a lie. You do know. You just haven't listened to it long enough. And if you listen to it long enough, you will naturally gravitate truthfully towards things that will help rebuild your system. Yeah. Is it the rest that I need here? Do I have to move there? Do I need to eat this and never eat that again? It's listening to those that really helps rebuild what's going on inside the body. It will, it can take time for sure. Yeah.
0: And, and it's work. It, it's, you have to dig into places that you may not have dug into before and acknowledge things that you have been suppressing in order for it to go. Um. Yeah. Fascinating on this as well that, I mean, that we have this schedule now is like, I, I was talking to you this before we recorded, but as people know, I always wear the whoop and the aura ring. And so two to three weeks ago, I have been going to a therapist and I've been working through stuff as cause I finally realized I had childhood traumas and all of those things. And we made a huge breakthrough uh, about three weeks ago and my HRV shot up 20 points, shot up 20. like. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I have been stuck. I have been working on all of the physical stuff that that is what I teach. I've been working on different mindset stuff, but that was the piece for me that I think I had been missing because I didn't even think I had childhood trauma. I really did. On paper, on paper, I had your perfect like middle-class family. I did not realize I had childhood traumas that were affecting me throughout so many other experiences in my life because of that trauma, it, it then it affected the way I viewed different things as well mm-hmm. after. And yeah, this breakthrough was huge. I was like, what the heck like, yeah, my gut, there was still a piece I'd made huge headway with my gut. There was one piece that was missing to that too my gut's been good the last three weeks. I'm I'm able to every day increase my workouts of what I'm doing and pushing more and I'm wanting to go out and do. I'm like, okay. That was one mental block. Like I have done so much of the physical stuff. And so it's fascinating. I believe that they do all work together, but we do need to hit
1: all of these pieces,
0: all of them. Because Mm
1: -hmm. they all, I mean, when you think about it, we are a body, we are a mind, and we are a spirit. And when you separate them, then you're going to have separate experiences of trying to bring it all back together. But when you can work all together, And bring all those components together, well, then that's a whole different story where things can move along a lot quicker. Even when you think about digestive systems, like you want to talk about the emotions that sit in the digestive system. Oh my gosh. So small intestine alone, you talk about SIBO, right? Small intestine is interesting because in what, what are we nourishing ourselves with? And the small intestine likes to grab the nutrients. You translate that just into a life experience. What are you nourishing yourself with? Is it that you can't have what you want? Is it that you're a problem or you're broken or something's wrong with you? If you're self-nourishing with those thoughts and those feelings, well, your your small intestine is going to respond to that and not be able to assimilate the really good ones. You'll reject them. And then even just in the in the gut and general, so the spleen, pancreas, and stomach, hopelessness, helplessness, disgust, that's a big one. How many ways are you disgusted with yourself and then therefore you feel a shit ton of nausea? It, but the whole thing in general it's it's amazing how one awareness like you're talking about one awareness will have a ripple effect through everything it'll just yeah. slice through it all
0: yeah and it's fascinating because i have been doing this therapy for a while and we were working on i'm not good enough we are working on i'm not smart enough but those things didn't increase my hrv and and make the changes to the one of, I have a voice mm-hmm. and it was fascinating. Cause I'm like, wow, like I due to being put down a lot as a child, not able to think outside the box and have my opinions heard. I never felt I had a voice and it's so fascinating in what I do. Cause I'm like trying to have a voice in order to help people. And I never felt like I deserved to have one. Yeah,
1: And that's a big part of my business as well. For sure. Especially if you're like coaching and leading people, like you need that voice.
0: Yeah. And 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 I it was be fascinating when I'm good with one-on-one, but it was people who weren't working with me that I was felt they were judging. And it's so fascinating. We start diving into this and my ATV is just spiked. I'm like, what the heck? Like I can do this. I can I understand too that some of them are gonna get mad at me at first because that's the first initial reaction when they start realizing something is wrong. And that's me going, oh, they're not actually mad at me. They're just discovering something. And then we can move to the next step instead of me shutting down
1: and walking away. It's that whole taking it personally. Right. And then our whole system goes into this response when it's just, it's really a story that we've taken as truth. Wild.
0: Yeah. It's so wild. And and that's the thing where like, it is all of these pieces we need to work on Mm -hmm. and it's not easy. You have to be vulnerable. You have to
1: actually dive into your shit. It's so true. When I was, I remember a couple of days back to back, like I had, so I had closed down my practice and I sold it. And and so I sent out, you know, a huge announcement, like this is transferring into this person's hands. You know, I will no longer be available as I'm on my sabbatical and healing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there was a moment where I was like, oh, I felt like empowered in that. It was a whole new experience. Like, oh, wow, I built this and I sold all of that. And I got an email back from someone who they basically said to me, good. I'm so glad you got cancer. You're a piece of shit. And I hope that you sit in that. And out of all of the responses where people were like, I'm so proud of you, like following your dreams, going where you need to go. It's incredible. It was that one that came in and and I remember laying in bed for two days and thinking to myself, what's the point? What's the point in all of this? If this is the response that I get, I listened to one person instead of over 500. Yeah. And when I really sat with that in bed and and when I really like, let it just at, you know, the darkest point being like, am I ever going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think a lot of people burn out, in burnout, feel that like, am I ever going to actually feel good in myself again? And while I sat with that information, it was like these lights started coming out and start, and it was like, well, maybe you should do this because you never chose it before. One of that is, is there's this case behind me. You can see it. It's a green case. That's a cello. I always wanted to play cello and I never chose it. I was put in piano for many years. And, and so I never got to choose what I wanted to choose. And I'm like, I'm in my mid thirties. Somebody just basically wish I die. What am I doing? Why am I not choosing all the things that I always wish I had? And I have to tell you, I was asking my my wife, I was like, what do you think really helped me? Like from an external perspective. And she was like, it was cello. She was like, it was, it was something that gave you an opportunity to try something you always wanted to try. So you had a complete, you weren't worried about healing people and working in the treatment room and like teaching students. You were focused on trying to play something that you, always wanted to play. And she's like, I, and it makes me, I feel emotional talking about it because it was that it was so true. It was feeling the vibration of an instrument. I'm a, I'm a highly sensitive feeling individual. So to feel this instrument underneath me, it brought me back to life. And, and I really want to, to share that because there's always something in someone who is in that state of burnout or the state of depression that leads to burnout and it self perpetuates. Where there is something, there's something they so deeply want to try, but they don't know how to get to it yet. And if there is someone that can just support that into reality, oh my, oh my gosh, it can it can bring so much life back to the system. It can turn everything back on again. And I have to give so much thanks because it was my spouse who bought me lessons and literally took me to my first lesson. And that was the, that was the huge transition point that took me out of this deep misery and this deep self-loathing and, and not knowing who I was. And, and it took me and put me into a space where I was like, holy shit, I can come alive again. And if I can get out of that, then no problem. I can sit on podcasts. I can sit in the treatment room. I can teach like no problem. And it was that. And so I really, really want to give that to your listeners. Like There is something, whether it was a dance class, a cooking class, like whether it was writing, whether it was acting, whether it was speaking, whether it was running, like whatever it was, if you've never tried it and it's been sitting in the back of your mind, it might be the one thing that pulls you out of it that nobody else has been able to help you with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want everybody to think about that. Absolutely. Because when we do get into that deep burnout, when we do have a lot of stress, when we have all this stuff going on, we lose ourselves. That's, I hear the most thing is I've lost my joy. Yeah. I used to love to do, but I would also encourage people that, that we do stop and think about what we used to love to do, but is there something that you even never did because you were afraid to do that? You were afraid to try or didn't think you'd be good enough or whatever it was that was stopping you. Maybe somebody told you you shouldn't or couldn't or weren't good enough in it. Like, as an adult, like if, if there was a sport you wanted to play, go find that sport now. If there was an instrument for me, like it, I love to dance. Salsa dancing is where I'm like, feel like I'm just loving it, but my husband doesn't dance that I have been considering going to the studio across the street, but I've been making every excuse in the book. So I am going to go and do that. Yes. <laughs> but that's the thing is finding out, like I hear of of of, of um a lot that like, like being in the woods, something in nature, but that's great. But can you go further with that? Is there a place you really wanted to hike that you never got to hike? Did you want to go to Kilimanjaro or some of the other mountains or somewhere around here? Did you want to go backpacking or portaging or what is it that you have not done yet in your life that you have always wanted to do?
1: Mm -hmm. Going
0: and doing that is going to bring you one step closer out of burnout.
1: It's so true. And, you know, our culture wants instant gratification, right? That's what we've moved towards. And, and it takes away from the journey. Yeah, sure. It feels good when you like find a shirt and you're like, oh my God, I love it so much. But when you're on a journey, you know, and burnout is part, it's part of that journey. It is part of the journey that you have been dealt. And, and the sooner you come to terms with, okay, this is where I am. I'm right in the middle of it. This is part of this experience. I am now going to be resourced to help other people if they fall into this experience. So therefore, this, this journey can help people. That's you know, there's, there's a step to that. And the second step of, well, what's my journey of getting out of this? And I know when you're in the depths of it, it feels like it's never going to end. But one step forward every day is a victory. It really is. Especially when you know what it feels like in the depths of it. And it is hopeless and it is tiring and it is frustrating and it is, it is almost maddening at some points. And so to be able to, like you said, gravitate towards these things, you are you are re-sparking your spirit in a whole new way. Yeah. And it is scary as all hell, but you can do it.
0: It is. It's scary as fuck. It really. And you have to get out of your comfort zone and do these things, but man. Once you do them, th- that feeling, that step, and we need to acknowledge each step, not even the step of the finale, but the step of like, for me, saying here that I'm going to do the dance, that's a step. Yes. Right? Saying that maybe next step might be telling my husband, I'm gonna do it. And then the next step is looking at their calendar and figuring out where can I fit this in? How can I do it contingencies? Cause my husband's schedule is all over the place, which any, First responders, folks will know, is I always need a backup plan. Okay. If he's not here, what can I do? How can I do this? So, those are all steps and those all need to be acknowledged as well, not just the end point.
1: Just yeah. End point. I mean, if, if we bring it all the way back to the beginning, mm-hmm. trauma is too much, too fast, too soon, or not enough. Yes. If you were to just walk across that street when the first impulse came to you, that might have been too much, too fast, too soon. It could shut you down from never thinking about it again. Yes, but you acknowledging it here, well, that that's a step, right? It's not too much. You could maybe salsa dance in your kitchen this afternoon. That's not too much. You are leading yourself up to having the resourced body somatically to be able to hold exactly what you want. Yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: amazing, Vincent. Week, I know you and I could go on. This has been amazing, man. So many gold nuggets in here. Um before we leave two things one is to let our audience know where they can find you i will definitely be linking everything in the show notes as well so if don't worry about writing it down just go to the show notes and what vincent says will be there the other is one piece of advice i mean you've given so much that i don't even know what else there is to add but if there's one thing that you can say to somebody who is in burnout Or maybe not even acknowledging that they're in burnout yet. Maybe that's what we can talk about. What is one thing you can say to somebody to get them to the point of acknowledging that
1: they're in burnout? This might poke some people in the eye. Allow yourself to be the victim and acknowledge that you've been a victim. Okay. And I'll say why. Yes, please. Because when you acknowledge, like, I am in this and this is happening to me right now Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when you acknowledge that you immediately bump yourself out of denial when you are in a victim state to something you you can't get out of it you'll need something external to you to get out of it right you need to be saved but if you can just allow yourself to be like okay i am a victim to burnout i am a victim of this right now this is happening. Once that has happened and once you have acknowledged that usually you'll go into anger right away, but and then you'll, and what that does is it'll create momentum when you just allow yourself to fall into it. Everybody says, ah, surrender, surrender. But once you surrender into that, you now get insight as to what led you there. And when you have insight as to what led you there, this is the awareness piece. Once you are consciously aware of what you have chosen, You have now taken responsibility for your life. And when you have responsibility for your life, you have the opportunity to change all of it until you take responsibility for your life and knowing that, yes, what happened to you got you there, but that doesn't define you. Then you can change your story. Then everything changes from that point. But until you can acknowledge that and receive that and take responsibility for, fuck, I worked six days a week, 10 hours a day. I did that. I got myself here. And, and that acknowledgement piece can come with so much heaviness and so much freedom.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I have nothing to add. That was amazing, except that some you need to
0: go back and rewind that and listen to that. Definitely. All right. So where can people go to find you?
1: All of our socials will lead you to Empowered Healers Academy. That's where we drop either free events or nuggets like this, basically, on how you can take Take control and leadership of your own life. I it gives academy. Yeah.
0: And your healing academy. Yes. Is it only for practitioners? Is it for who is it for?
1: It is predominantly for practitioners who already have a client base. So they already know. They're like, these services that I have, they aren't getting longevity. I know there's something deeper. Those are the people that we love to teach so that we can take deeper. So that's coaches, therapists, acupuncturists, massage therapists, whatever healing practitioner you are or leader that you are. Um, there are some people who do come in who are transforming or transitioning out of their corporate career. Uh, they're really fun to work with too. And I'll be honest, it is a little bit of work if you don't have a client base.
0: Okay. One question that does pop in my mind, because there are a lot of first responders that do listen to this Would somebody from a first responder wellness program benefit from this?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. We have had practitioners who work specifically with first responders. And it is one of the things that is so fast to recalibrate their nervous system Mm -hmm. to like, like you said, if there is, if there could be, oh my God, I would cry. If there could be someone stationed in every single first response center to be able to help access release and remove the emotional data and the guilt that first responders have to go through i could die a happy woman yeah if that happens
0: completely different way that services run i think Mm -hmm. was supported
1: with all of the crap that they see and deal with
0: on a daily basis
1: Mm -hmm. 100 and and the thing that i love about our work is it, it can be done like this. Like, yes, there's so much benefit to somatic work in person. And there's actually a lot that can be done virtually as well. And, and I say that because there's so many people that are at such large distances, right? There's first responders that are in remote areas. And so, and there's help that can be given to them as well. And I just want to say that. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here today. Um, Everybody definitely go down to the show notes here and check out all of the links. Um, Start following Vincent um, and definitely give her a comment. Give her some likes. Tell her how much you did enjoy this. Um, So many golden nuggets. Go back and listen to this again. Um, For finding me as well, we can, you can go to burnout.ca for finding about the podcast and joining my mailing list. If you want to know about my first responder work, that is at 911lifestyle.com. Go there and you can sign up for my email list and ask me any questions, email me. I am always here to help out. Burnout is a beast and we are here to help you every step of the way. Thank you.